0: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: Hey, folks, this is Kevin. On this episode, you'll hear Olga Schmutz. You give it to me
2: right now. I want to feel your pussy on my fucking dick.
1: Um, uh, that and more. (laughs) But before that, I just wanted to say, you guys might remember about a month ago, I, I first tried a Harry's shaving kit. And I told you all how surprised I was at how baby smooth and squeaky clean it made my face. I was not exaggerating. And a whole month later, I am still... Taken aback at how much more I like my Harry's shaving kit than those big-name corporate razors and blades I was getting from the pharmacy for more than twice as much money. There's a clean and simple product design to the kit you get from harrys.com, less bells and whistles than some of those drugstore doodads, but who cares? Harry's gives you a cleaner shave. Harry's engineers their own blades at their own factory in Germany for sharpness and strength. This is meticulous craftsmanship. And the shaving cream they include in the kit is the old-fashioned kind, and it is just the best I've ever used, period. So go to harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. And use the promo code RISK. That's (laughs) R-I-S-K to save $5 off your first purchase, not to mention the huge savings you'll be getting out of choosing a smaller company that puts a lot of tender loving care into what they're doing just like we do at risk. $15 gets you a kit that includes a handle, three blades, and the shave cream delivered right to your door. I'm serious. You're going to be happy about this choice. So go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use the promo code RISK. Now here's the show. kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Humble Souls behind me now. And I will tell you, folks, I am beginning to wonder how, how we put this this podcast out once a week when we are running all over the world now doing the live shows I'm a little... (laughs) I don't even know what I am. I'm discombobulated, folks. I am discombobulated. Let's get combobulated, though. Enough at least to acknowledge that today's episode is called Second Wind. Three stories of people who, um, you know lost their first wind and then found a second one in just a bit we're going to hear from the remarkable comedian mr joe mulligan but before that one of our favorites one of our regulars the beloved mr danny labelle Now, Danny told this at the Risk Live show in Los Angeles. That's at the uh, Nerd Melt Theater that we do once a month, every fourth Thursday there. I was just in Los Angeles, and I got to meet one of our super fans. We have a a group of fans that come to every single Risk Live show at Nerd Melt in Los Angeles. So I met Annie. I don't know Annie's last name, but Annie, you were adorable. Addison? Addison? Is another one of our super fans out there? Addison, you were so sweet to offer that you could ride me around if I needed a ride while I was in Los Angeles. As it happened, I already had rides set up and we didn't end up meeting. I only know you from Facebook, Addison, but still, kind of want to lick your butt. The point is if you live in Los Angeles, become a super fan, friends. Because you might be called adorable or sexually harassed on the podcast. And so, without further ado, let's get to our dear friend Danny LaBelle here with a story we call That's Jazz.
3: Thank you, everybody. Uh, This story takes place in a time when the ruler of the land passed a decree that all of its subjects must get health insurance. (laughs) And an act was passed known as the Affordable Care Act, which I applied for and found out that I couldn't afford. They told me, uh, you don't qualify, you don't make enough money, so you should try Medi-Cal. I've been poor for long enough now that I really feel like I haven't lived in a city until I've visited their social services office. So I went. It was kind of depressing the whole way there. I was just thinking, you know, I've been doing comedy for ten years in New York and now two years in L.A., and I'm still this broke and I don't have any representation. I don't have a manager or an agent. Maybe it's not going so well, and maybe it's time to uh, think about doing something else. I was really down about it. It's not a good thing going to the social services office. It's kind of depressing. And I got in the elevator with a single mom who had four kids. She started yelling at the kids in the elevator. She's yelling at one of them, put your damn sandal back on. Why are you taking your sandal off? In the elevator, people gonna think I got dirty kids. People gonna think I got ghetto dirty kids. Is that what you want people to think? And then she turns to me and and she goes, that's what you think, right? When you see my daughter taking her sandal off that she a dirty ghetto kid. And then she opened her eyes like real wide, like you better agree with me, you know? I need your help right now. So I was like, yes, that's what I think. She goes, you see what white people think of you? (laughs) And I start thinking, I don't want to be lumped in with those white people, that's not fair. I'm not one of them. If I was active, I'd be a civil rights activist. I'm just not active. I'm a civil rights inactivist. But it's all there inside, you know. It's not fair that these kids should think I'm one of those white people. And it's not fair that she thinks. I was like, you know what? I'm going to win this lady over. So when the elevator stopped at our floor, I said, ma'am, you go ahead. You go first. Even though I could have easily got out first. I go, you go first. You're a single mother. And she goes, thank you very much. And she leaves. and, And these kids are really, like, making her take a long time to get anywhere. So I get to the line before her. And then she arrives, and I go... You know what, go ahead. You go in ahead of me in line, ma'am. You, you're a single mom. Uh, you got all these kids. You go ahead. She goes, thank you very much. I'm like, I'm really winning her over. And I was like, now in for the kill. I was like, and your kids are very cute. She goes, that don't help you in life, having cute kids. What, are you crazy? <laughs> it don't matter if these are ugly kids. Nobody help you because you got cute kids. And I was like, I failed. That's... <laughs> that's all I had in me (laughs) so now we're both in the waiting room and I'm sitting there still really depressed about my lack of success and where I'm at in life and they got a big screen with all the names of people waiting it's got names like you know Rodriguez and Johnson and I just realized you know there's Lobel it's the only white person name. I realized for the millionth time in my life I'm the only white guy in the room and it's not for a good reason. It's not like I just won a BET award, you know? It's, <laughs> it's cause I screwed up in life. It's not a good thing. I'm also thinking so many of my friends that I came up in comedy with over the last year or two have all gotten Comedy Central half hour specials and their names are on Comedy Central and my name is on the Food Stamp channel. I definitely did something wrong. And I start doing this thing that I used to do in New York, in the subways, I used to do this to make money, I'd take a microphone and a little pig nose amp, and I'd do uh, my rendition of all these classic clarinet jazz standards, and I start doing it sometimes unconsciously when I'm depressed, I just start going into it, I start going like... And the woman says, like, "Excuse me." She said, "Excuse me." I'm like, "Oh man, I pissed her off at the." <laughs> I wasn't even noticing it. I thought she was gonna tell me to shut up. I'm like, "All right, I'll stop." And she goes, "Excuse me. Do you know that I saw Bethany this week? I guess that's a program. I think it's like a talk show." She goes, "I saw Bethany this week, and they had people like you on." I was like, "Like me?" They had people like you on people with what she called a special talent. (laughs) You know that's what you got? You got a special talent. You don't need to be sitting here with us. You could be out there making money with your special talent. (laughs) And then she gets up and announces to a room of 50 very depressed people. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, but doesn't this man sound exactly 99% exactly like a trumpet? <laughs> and nobody else had heard me but her. <laughs> and people are like, well, what's she talking about? What you mean? She goes, go ahead, do it for them. He gonna do it for you now. Do it for him." And I got excited because it's like the first time I've had representation out here, you know? I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I start going up. I start looking around, and people are really into it. Like, there's a girl filming me with her iPhone, and some people are just like, "Yeah, doing yeah." And then I look in the corner. There's an old black man wearing a hat, and his eyes are closed, and he's just shaking his head back and forth, going, "Mm "Mm-hmm." That's jazz. Mm Mm-hmm. That's jazz. Like he was constantly, constantly asking himself questions. And would you say that's jazz? Mm Mm-hmm
4: that's jazz
3: if you had to say for sure is that Mm jazz that's jazz but would you say that maybe that's funk Mm -mm. that's
4: jazz
3: and I finished and everybody clapped and then one little girl sitting off in the corner with her mom she goes can he sing with that, like, childlike it's like, Can he sing, Mrs., can he sing? <laughs> and, and, and my manager's like, of course he can sing! <laughs> Anybody who plays the trumpet that beautiful can sing like an angel. <laughs> and I always wanted to sing jazz stuff, but I've always felt a little self-conscious about it. But this was like, I finally had that encouragement, you know? I want to let the manager down and. (laughs) So I start saying. I love her in the morning and I love her at night. Yes, I love her. Oh, I love her when the stars are shining bright. Well, I love her in the springtime. And I love her in the fall. Oh, but last night on the back porch, I loved her best of all. (laughs) And people were going wild. And she goes, you know what I like to do with him? I wish I could shrink him down. People are always trying to shrink me down. She goes, I wish I could shrink him down and bring him in my bathroom and, and run a bubble bath. And then, and then she, gets, she goes, nothing like that. Which I was a little offended by. Like what, someone might think it's something like that? You're worried about that? But she said, no, nothing like that in case anyone got any ideas that she might have the hots for me. She goes, I have a little area. She just starts giving us the layout of her bathroom. I have a little area in my bathroom off around the corner, above the toilet, where there's a shelf where I keep ornaments. And I would like to put him on that shelf. And then I would like to run myself a nice bubble bath. And, and bust open a, a beer, a classic beer, like a Stella Artois or something. I just to bust that open. I'm gonna take a nice, hot bubble bath, just close my eyes and say, you, you played for me. <laughs> it's not the best gig, but you know, <laughs> it's work. And then she gives me advice. She said, son, you know what you have to do? and when you're at the social services office everybody assumes that you're really a sad case so she starts giving me that I don't know how hard this is going to be for you but you need to find yourself an internet (laughs) and you need to get yourself on a YouTube I don't know how But you figure it out, you find a way and you get yourself on a YouTube and then people gonna know you got that special talent and you're not gonna need to be here anymore. And at this moment, the social worker walks out in the room with the clipboard and he goes, uh, Lobel, Daniel. I go up, that's me, everybody. I gotta go. And the whole room erupts into applause and people are going, yeah, we're gonna, and then there's some people that were like, gonna miss me, like, oh. (laughs) Don't go. And the social worker looks at me and goes, how long were you out there for? (laughs) I said, long enough to build the following. And it was everything I needed it to be. It was originally, could have been like the most depressing day. But this turned it all around. There I was like thinking about quitting. I was like, you know what? This is in my blood. I really am doing the right thing in life. I'm doing what I have to be doing. Because otherwise, that wouldn't happen. When I don't even mean for it to. You know? And... I should have ended that a second ago. Let me, let me. Because that wouldn't have happened. When I didn't even mean for it to. If not. See, I gave you a nice ending for that. Because for, I'm also conscious of editing. Thank you, everybody.
5: You a ever feel like you've just hit the brick wall? You have been dropped off a speeding truck, bouncing on the ground, no idea where you are, how to get back to anything you recognize. That's how I felt. Failure. Cloud of failure choking me. Back then, I was a stand-up comedian. I was having some success with road work. Back then, I had a wife and a son, a baby son who was uh, four years old. All the travel, which got all the money that we could support ourselves, was having an effect upon my marriage, where I wasn't around and my wife was lonely And the only thing I could do was to work more. And it kept me away from home more. I felt like I was running on a treadmill of of just uh, working harder to alienate my wife some more. And when it all blew up in my face, I was dumbfounded. And that's why I found myself in this room in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains outside of Boulder, Colorado, with 30 strangers I'd never seen before or since, sitting in a circle around an empty room with a little charcoal fire in the center. We were all there, and even though we had no idea who each other was, we had two things in common. One, we were all seeking answers. Two, we had just taken a heavy dose of peyote. My marriage had failed. I'd moved away from my son, my career was floundering, and I needed some answers. I was a lapsed Catholic, and I had never found anything to replace that sense of structure and spirituality inside of me. And I knew I had to do it right away if I was to do anything else in my life. I had read about the Native Americans and and their sweat lodges or their vision quests. When the vision quest, I like that notion. A vision quest, you went out into the wilderness for a week and you starved and you stayed there. And in that hallucinatory state of starvation, a spirit guide came to you and told you the truth. And that just appealed to me. But I didn't have a week to prepare for that, I didn't know where to go, and I was on a busy schedule back then, so I tried to cut corners by going to uh, my friend's house in Utica, New York, and going into the woods there with two hits of acid. It really didn't work that well, because, number one, people kept coming in the path where I was sitting and, and trying to talk to me, and I'm pretty much tripping at this point, and then two, it started to rain. And I gave up. I gave up and chalked this up as yet another failure. I'm not in a good mood. I hear from my friend Iris, who lives out in Boulder, Colorado, and she tells me of this peyote ceremony called the Ceremony of the Rising Sun. Now, Iris explained one of the properties of taking peyote, one of the things that happened to you is that you vomit. And in the course of the ceremony of the rising sun, that would be called getting well. Because by getting well, you would be expelling negativity from your body so I still had enough Catholic left to me to see the pain inherent in that and really uh, find an affinity to that, too. So I flew out to Denver. I drove up to Boulder. I met Iris. Uh, I was told not to eat anything after breakfast, so I had no lunch. We drive up and get to this cabin, this house up in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Somewhere around 6 o'clock, we meet these people who are kind of... Earthy, hippie people living in Colorado. I was kind of a little fish out of water from the East Coast there, but we all friendly with each other, talked around and we sat in a circle and I saw the man who was to lead the ceremony and his name was William. William was a Lakota Sioux. That also appealed to me too. He was a little rough, a little gruff around the edges and he was working. So I watched him prepare And I'm really not sure what's going to happen, uh, but I watched him prepare. And William is fashioning a drum by stretching deer hide over the drum with ropes and stones to hold the thing in place. And he's muttering to himself the whole time. He's going like that, like that there, like that, like that there. He tightened it up like that, like that there. And he finally finishes and we all sat around in a circle and William began to speak to us to tell us what was going to happen peyote is medicine medicine is good peyote will tell you who you are this is not some hippie's little trip peyote will kick your ass and tell you the truth like that like that there and that sobered us up a little bit we all sat around in the circle and in anticipation of the getting well we were all provided with a little paper lunch bag that you used to have and just sat by our side there and So he talked a bit about it, and he finally, after an hour or so of talking to us, he called the four quarters, as you do in ceremonies. He called the north, south, east, and west, and he invoked, and he said some words in his tongue that I didn't understand, and and we sat down, and then... He came to us one by one with a quart jar filled with uh, ground peyote buttons and little powder, little brown green powder. And we all took a big tablespoon of that. And then we took some tea that had peyote and other herbs in it and took that too and some water. And we swallowed that. And then we sat and waited. I had no idea how long this would take effect and I didn't want to know either. I took my watch off. I didn't want to have any kind of any time structure. I wanted to give myself completely to the ceremony. And so we sat there. And sometimes when you ingest a substance that you haven't ingested before with your friends, you will look around at each other going, do you feel anything yet? Are you, are you getting anything? Are you getting a little buzz from this? And I didn't know anybody there. So I had kind of just used eye contact of people and, and nobody's really kind of responding to me. So I just sat there and William took a drumstick and he started beating and he started chanting a little bit too. And, and and I'm in a room with the people I don't know and I'm sitting there waiting to get high and, and nothing's happening and he drummed a little more and then he said we weren't trying hard enough and, and I was like oh no that was like this first sign of like oh no no please this, this can't fail this has to work and and he said we have to try harder try harder and he put on this tape of this music and it was a Native American chanting music and it sounded otherworldly it sounded not of this planet or something very very below our planet that we're not aware of and the, there were men singing and chanting and there was like and tambourines and gourds and rattles and and drums but the chanting it was as high pitched as and it went on and on and it it went through me but it didn't enlighten it kind of underline my gloom that I was not relating to this music at all this was not in my wheelhouse I didn't understand what was going on here and what made it worse was I'm looking around and I'm seeing after a while other people are beginning to get well other people are reaching for their lunch bags and, and, and tossing into it and, and assistants were there the whole night long they, they took the bag away from you and gave you a fresh one and I'm, I'm feeling nothing I'm not feeling part of this I'm feeling in my own puddle of gloom again and I'm getting mad at myself and I'm going come on Joe come on get you can get well get well you bought a ticket to Boulder you can't even get well you flew out halfway across the country you can't puke get well come on and nothing I felt nothing except this gloom it just went deeper and deeper this gloom and I felt almost as if I was sinking into myself I was collapsing into myself in this gloom and it took me down and it took me down 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 into this room and I could see the guys who were chanting I could see them and and I just sat in the corner there all of a sudden I heard laughing I heard someone laughing and I looked and I saw the person looking towards me and they weren't laughing with me. They were laughing at me. They got closer and closer and I saw my spirit guide. It had to be my spirit guide. But I also saw that my spirit guide was Tommy Udo. <laughs> By explanation, okay, Americans, you know, we don't have the saints that, that maybe are European or, or some of the Christian people have. They have these saints they pray to. I was raised Catholic and had saints, and we don't have saints in our culture. We have movies. We have characters from movies who come and demonstrate an aspect of personality or an aspect of character to us. And Tommy Udo was a punk. Tommy Udo is from the movie Kiss of Death.
1: If you like action as I do with entertainment, you will find it here.
5: This one was written with a machine gun. Pinstripe suit and black shirt and white tie. Tommy Udo is such a punk, he's finding out information about someone he wants to find, and he goes to the guy's grandmother. She's not telling him anything. She's in a wheelchair. He pushes her down a flight of stairs. That's Tommy Udo. And Tommy Udo's laughing at me and standing in front of me and goes, You punk, you, you chimp.
6: <laughs>
5: and I am even deeper in glooms. like, oh, Tommy Udo's my spirit guide This
7: sucks Yeah, well, a loser coming out here You think this is going to help you? Look at these people Not going to help them Nothing's going to help them And I'm going to stay here I'll stay here to remind you what a chump you are
5: <laughs> And I'm like, oh, shit <laughs> this- Whoa! And 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 he was so big and I had no idea. How do how do you get rid of his spirit guy? I don't know. I had no idea. And so I'm sitting there and, and I was like something else came up inside of me that said, that which hinders your task is your task. I knew I had to get rid of Tommy Udo and I didn't know how to, but I thought I should just get up. And I get up, and he runs away. And I remember chasing him through these rooms. And I hear the laughter, and I follow to the room where it's coming from. And it finally comes to this room, where there's empty tables and chairs, and a stage in the corner with a blue and a red light coming down from it. And Tommy Udo standing there in the middle. And I go up to Tommy Udo, and he, <laughs> and I grab him, and I pulled him into me, and I. ...pulled him into my stomach... ...and as I pulled him into my stomach... ...he went out of my mouth... ...and in that moment... ...I got well... ...I got incredibly well... ...and the gloom I felt... ...filtered away... ...like dark clouds... ...before the little blue sky opens up... ...and a huge vista... ...seemed to open up in front of me... ...this beautiful, beautiful vista... ...of sun and sky... ...and in that moment... I beheld the rising sun. Everything I felt, every negativity I felt was gone and replaced by euphoria that I had taken my spirit guide and I kicked him out. He was gone. I had gotten well. It was exhilarating. I'd never felt so euphoric from getting sick before in my life. And I sat there in my moment of triumph. As it got light outside, the ceremony came to an end, and we all got up, and a breakfast was prepared for us, and, and William told us a little bit about his own life by illustration. He told us that he had been an alcoholic. He'd been down and out on the streets of Cheyenne, Wyoming with nothing, nothing at all, and he had gotten himself straight he got himself back together he would found the medicine and the medicine which was the thing that helped him to stay on his path you know I tried to tell William what this meant to me how profound this experience was to me how cleansed I felt as I began to speak to him he cut me off and he looked at me and he said you're gonna go back to New York and you're gonna talk about this you're gonna laugh about this on stage and that was the last thing I thought about. I didn't, number one, want to share this with anybody. This was kind of a really profound personal experience. And, and number two, that would be mocking. I, I I didn't want to do that, but I kind of was sorry that he had said that. And I flew back to New York. I resumed my life. I had a little more kind of a boost to move things along and get things going again. I, I, I certainly picked up the pieces and, 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 and went on with everything. And I wasn't feeling I was a failure again. It's a profound experience. I've thought about it often since it happened, and I was sad when I had heard that William had hit the bottle again and that even this wasn't enough for him. He was... Sometimes when you're newly cured, you have to hold on to the things that brought you there, and I guess it was disappointing that he had succumbed and that the medicine wasn't even enough for him. I was sobering to think, too, that... As he said, the bad medicine can come back like that.
1: This is Risk. This is Slow Club behind me now. And that was my good friend Joe Mulligan. Joe's got a DVD available on Amazon called Make It Up. Now a couple words about our good friends at Stamps.com. You know, you do whatever it takes to make sure your business runs efficiently. But constant trips to the post office get in the way they eat up valuable time you could be spending on growing your business instead so bring the post office to your desk with stamps.com you don't have to be a postal expert stamps.com makes it easy you can buy and print official US postage for any letter any package using what you already have your own computer and printer then you just hand it to your mailman it's that easy Join the 500,000 small businesses that already use stamps.com and you'll never have to go to the post office again. We use stamps.com at risk in the story studio and we love it. And right now you can use our promo code RISK for this special offer. It's a no risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes the digital scale and up to $55 free postage. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in risk. That's stamps.com. Enter risk. Our final story comes to us today from our uh, most recent trip to the lovely city of Philadelphia, PA. <laughs> this wacky, wonderful woman just came out of nowhere like a bat out of hell. And I think you're going to enjoy getting to know her. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Olga Schmutz with a story we call Carlito's Way.
2: So, I was totally heartbroken. I was pathetic. My friend Paul's like, Olga, man, you've got to get over this dude. I'm like, you've never been in love, man. (laughs) You've never felt this shit, man. I'm telling you. All the drinks in the world, nothing is taking it away from me. Trust me. Give me another tangerine tonic or some shit. I don't care. So he's like, no, Olga okay, man, I love you, and I hate to see you like this. I mean, this is not like you at all. I mean, you're poly fucking Sunshine. How can poly fucking Sunshine be all depressed? Because you don't know. Just give me another gen. So I'm sitting there. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. We're in the gay brood in Philadelphia. He's like, listen, listen to me. When was the last time you got laid? I'm like, fuck getting laid, dude. I'm depressed. I am heartbroken. I'm devastated. Life is over. There's no reason to live anymore. He's like, no way, man. I'm telling you. Like a typical dude. I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but he's like, you just need to get fucked, man. You just need to get fucked. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know you, man. You like to fuck, and you haven't been fucked. You got to do something about this shit. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, like dumb and dumber. Oh, yeah? So what? Don't you have a dildo? I broke it. How the fuck you break a dildo, dude? I'm like, I sat on it, man. Broke it in fucking half. Fuck you. And that's why I'm not getting laid and there's no fucking dildo. Fuck all you. So he's like, all right, man. This is ridiculous. We're going to this store right around the corner at three o'clock in the morning. You're fucking getting a dildo. I'm buying it because I love you. I'm like, fucking, I don't care. I don't care about life anyway. So let's just do it. So we're in the story's he's like, what about this one? What about that one? I'm like, they're so big, and they're so, like, not realistic. I want a real dick. I'm like, fuck. So I'm like, I don't even like to masturbate. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, the last thing I want to do, rub myself one out. Like, get the fuck out of here. So I said, you know what? And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see a dildo hanging on the wall in a package, and it was a strap-on. And my fucking brain goes, yo, man, this one you won't break. It doesn't have batteries. You wrap it on a pillow and sit on that shit. (laughs) So we buy it. I go home, couple days later, I'm like, fuck, man. Seriously, this is where my life came to. (laughs) But I do it. I get that thing all looped up and shit. Not that I needed lubrication. I'm just saying, it's like silicone, it's so not natural, it's like, it's not responding, you know what I mean, and I, and I put it in, I got it on the pillow, and I could do the whole thing, because the thing with the masturbation that, you know, God bless any woman that can just touch herself, and play, and be all happy, no, nah, 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 nah. I've got to believe there's a man in the fucking room, I love men, right, so I'm like, fuck, this. I'm putting this on the pillow, I'm sitting on it, and it's got to be in a position, like, where at least my hands are on the wall. So the wall is the man's chest. So I sit on it, I talk to it, I tell it to suck my nipples. I'm holding on the wall. And of course I get, I rub one out, you know, it comes out. But it's like, I cry afterwards. I'm like, "Ah, why do people masturbate? It's so depressing. So I named it Carlitos because the first kiss I ever had in my life, I'm from Spain, and the first kiss I ever had in my life was a boy named Carlos. So of course, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to call this thing? It's gotta, I got to call it something because it's got to be like a man. I'm pretending here. So that's where Carlitos was born. So then, I don't know, in conversation with some friends or like, uh, I don't know, some sexual conversation and they find out I have a strap on. What? You got a strap on? you're doing with the strap on? What do you do with that thing? I'm like, dude, don't even get me started, all right? It's already depressing. But one conversation after the other, I find out about a bunch of girlfriends that don't have orgasms. They fake it all the time. I'm like, why the hell would you fucking orgasm? God's gift, man! That's better than any drug in the world, man! Jesus, come! You're like, "Ah, ah, ah! Like, maybe I look like I have hemorrhoids when I'm coming, but it doesn't fucking matter. The point is... It's it's beyond anything in this world. And I love to eat. That would be my second food. And if I could do them simultaneously, fucking amen. I'm in heaven. So next thing you know, I'm teaching women how to have orgasms, how to grab a dick, how to fuck the thing. Next thing you know, I have to wear the thing to show these girlfriends, look, I'm the dude. I'm going to do it. This is what you got to do. This is how you got to move. You got to tell the guy what you want, man. But these women didn't even know what they wanted. They didn't even know... What was, what was, you know, exactly? Oh, but it feels good. I almost came. No, dude, dude, dude. It's not, I almost came. You fucking know when you're coming. My shit, I fart. All kinds of shit starts happening. And then I'm like, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank God. Thank Thank you. So then... It escalated. From that, everybody kept talking about it, and I'm like, then it started becoming a pain in the ass, and I'm like, all right, no more teaching. That's it, that's it. Then I have a girlfriend who's bisexual. She says to me, what you need is a woman. I'm telling you, man. Fuck you and your dick shit. I'm telling you. You come with me, you'll make the switch. I said, yeah, I heard that. I've heard that before. I was pretty depressed. Things were like just... Whatever I was in another zone So I said you know what you want to fuck me so bad come on Let's do it So I go to bed with this woman It was good I mean you know When you're fucking horny anything is fucking good A coke bottle anything the rain dripping I'm like ah You know what I mean But then I'm like And after we finish I'm like this is it Really Some lick sucking some touching Some maybe some humping, Somewhere around there fuck that, man. If I'm a fucking woman, I want to have a dick. Because that's the point, right? So I go, look, I don't know if you knew, but I have a strap on. Yeah, yeah, we all know about Carlitos. I'm like, well, why don't you let me fuck you with them? <laughs> so she's like, alright. Alright, no problem. She was going to convince me that I was going to switch. What am I thinking? Fuck. This is my long time fantasy. When I was three years old, I peed standing up. I was so impressed with myself. I'm like, <laughs>
4: what am I
2: Before I buzz my hair off, I'm like, I'm a dude, see? Because this way, I could climb up the trees, and my mother wouldn't say, "Hey, it's so dirty," and you know, you need to close your legs. I'm like, what the fuck? There's no fucking freedom in being a woman, but a man can do anything. So I'm like, shit. Now that I got this strap on, let's see how it feels. Let's see what the fuck is the obsession with these guys from behind? Oh, 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 oh. It's like. I get it, I get it, because whatever feels good, I'm there, man. But seriously, there's something there. So I'm like, shit, I'm going to do this now. So I'm like, you ready? She's like, go ahead, I'm ready. So, <laughs> so I put this thing on. My Carlitos, of course, my, my baby. <laughs> so I put them on, and I'm going, it's a little fucking awkward, you know? Like, I got her from behind, and I'm trying to, you know, put it in. I'm like, what the fuck, now... I got some compassion for men. I'm like, no wonder they suck, man. You got a fucking stick between your legs and you're trying to get in there in some way. So I'm like, fuck this. I said, Olga, get in the zone, man. Get in the fucking zone. You are the man. You are not your body. You are your mind. And I fucking do it. I said, I got it. As soon as I got it and we got the rhythm going and shit, I go, oh, ah, oh, hold on, let me get that chair. I go and grab a chair, I sit on it, I got Carlito sticking straight up. And he's huge, by the way. <laughs> this girl is so afraid of me because she's looking at my face like, wait, 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 this is not what I signed up for. Like, I was like, yo, you talk all that shit, you give it to me right now. I wanna feel your pussy. I want to feel your pussy on my fucking dick. (laughs) So, God bless her. She goes, and she's from Venezuela too, so she's like, okay, mommy. Lifts up her ass. She had a beautiful ass, I'll give her that too. And I'm going, oh, so this is what these guys see, man. Shit. And she's going, I'm like, harder, harder. I'm not feeling you. I'm not feeling you. Fucking harder, and she's like, ah, 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 ah. and the, the ass is all jiggling and shit. It's all fucking great. This is like great. Porn gang got shit on this one. I'm like, and it all ends when she turns around and looks in my fucking face on this chair, going, yeah. She stops dead in her tracks. She's like, you're fucking sick. just having fun and then it escalated then it was like now this guy's a part of me man Carlitos and me together forever and ever so I was like shit I'm gonna take this to another realm so every guy I dated I had a new rule you want me you gotta take Carlitos (laughs) bottom line they're like what you got a dildo like oh yeah yeah, but don't worry about the dildo. What you need to be worried about is getting your asshole looped up, because I'm going to fuck you. They all laughed. Every single one of them laughed. Every single one. I don't believe you. I go put the strap on, on, come out. Oh, Scarlitos. He's coming for you, baby. Let's do it. they would just laugh and I'm like, I'm telling you right now, man, you want to have sex, you want to fuck, you want to be with me at all, the love of my life is going to be able to take it, just like I can take it. I can take it. You can take it. I can take it. We're all equal. <laughs> You're my bitch. I'm your bitch. <laughs> so basically, that's where the story ends, that in the end, I'm like, this is great, because they all took it. Every fucking one of them. The best part, the best, most amazing God gift. Thank you, God. It wasn't exactly what got me out of the depression, but I'll tell you what. It made me look at the world and made me feel that they could look at women for the first time in the same respect. It was about respect. It was about who's man, who can do it, who can take it, like take it like a man. And every single time I found that they became more female-like, the more I penetrated. (laughs) The more I bent it down, the more I, don't. I wasn't rough. I'm a lover, honey. (laughs) I am not here to hurt you. I want you to love me. (laughs) So of course, you know, I would talk to them. Look, it's okay. Trust me, I know. (laughs) I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. We're, you know what I mean? We're going to be so close, and it's a communion. And I'm going to be here afterwards. <laughs> if you want some more. <laughs> but it wasn't the basis of the relationship, but it had to be. The guy had to be able to take it and take it gracefully. And there we go. So Carlitos had an Italian, a Greek, uh Turkish... uh, Well, I can go down the line. I think I got all the countries covered. (laughs) So that was another point to the whole thing. It's like, it's really unanimous. We all like to fuck. We all like to feel power. We all like to feel empowered. We like to feel equal. We like to feel everything we want. We just all want to do whatever it is that we want and feel good. Hairy asshole and everything. (laughs) God bless you
4: all.
8: Cassie's got a new plan, gotta get herself away. Well, I better act quick, yeah, I better ch- ch- change my ways. Oh, maybe I'm wasting, maybe I'm chasing time. Let's face it, I'm only ever lost in mine Well, I got my tracing paper so that I could trace my clock And the bastard face kept changing and the as they wouldn't stop Well, I was ripping out the battery, I received myself a shock And to add insult to injury, I could still hear tick and tuck
1: That is all for this week, folks. This is George Ezra behind me now, and we just heard from Olga Schmutz. Well, hey, folks, be sure and check out some of the appearances I've done on other podcasts recently. I was on Comedy Bang Bang, Scarborough County, The David Feldman Show, and Doug Loves Movies. Check out all of those. They're super fun. And if you are in Washington, D.C. on June 7th, you gotta see Risk at the Beer Baron. We have two performances at 8 p.m. and at 10 p.m. Those are going to be super solid shows. Then on June 13th, we are in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Don't miss it. We are at the DSI Comedy Theater. That's June 13th. On June 19th we're at the Nerd Melt in Los Angeles with Cameron Esposito and on June 26th we're back in New York possibly with Kamal Bell we're uh, we're waiting to nail that down. Finally, if you are in London, England on July 4th, Risk will be happening at the Hackney Picture House. So to find out about that and all other live shows, go to risk-show.com slash tour. Do not forget that we teach storytelling as well, and not just in this context of, you know, uncensored sort of personal stories. We teach corporate workshops, a very different sort of storytelling, as well as storytelling for the stage, storytelling for personal growth one-on-one sessions, in person, or over Skype. It's all at storystudio.org. And finally, don't forget, we are a proud and happy member of the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us at MaximumFun.org. And all of the wonderful shows that Maximum Fun puts out are listener-supported. We really could not do what we do without the help, the financial contributions of our fans. So help us out. Help keep us running. Go to MaximumFund.org donate and be sure to earmark your contribution for risk. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk.